God is good? And all the time? Thank you. Maybe see you this morning. Glad that you chose to worship with us. My name is John, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here. And I know we have some new people in the room today, and you may have like, what just happened? And so I'm going to just let you participate with us. So every week, most every week when I come up here, I say, God is good. Everybody repeats all the time. Then I say all the time. Then they say, God is good. So can we all do that together? Shake your head. You're all track with me, all right? God is good. And all the time. I hope you believe that today. And I do want to mention that we did have someone fall at the back. They are okay, and they're in the service, so everything is, is good. So thank you for your prayers in that uh, situation. But I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 27, or find your way if you're on your device to Matthew 27. We're going to get there in a moment. And as we think about the story, Easter, as you, uh, some of you have been here the last five or six weeks, we've been carrying this theme, join the story. And so if you're new today, you saw kind of the culmination of those stories as you saw the people uh, with their little testimony and then flipping it over. And, and the truth is, I think most of us, when we talk about our story, and when I talk about our story, I mean the, the moment we met Christ, that everything changed for us. And most of us could probably summarize our story in one word. You saw that on the screen, that orphaned, adopted by Christ, insecure in their salvation. And when they really met Christ, they now were secure in their salvation. And so I think about that. My story is really could be summarized in, in one word, and that word is peace. You see, I grew up in church my entire life. And I think last year during COVID was the first in my entire life that I wasn't in a church building on Easter Sunday. And honestly, almost every Sunday of my life, I've been in a, in a church building. But you know what? Even though I grew up in church my entire life, the word to describe me is, is peace, but it was, it was a lack of peace. I didn't have peace in my life because I knew all the Bible stories and I knew the scripture and I knew that because I was a sinner, and it was obvious to everyone around me, I was a sinner. And I knew because of my sin that my, my sin separates me from a holy, righteous God. And that if I died in my sins and I hadn't asked Jesus to make the payment of my sins, that if I died in my sins, that I would spend an eternity in a place of torment. And as a 16-year-old kid, I wrestled with the understanding, knowing I knew the stories I knew what the outcome would be, but I hadn't made that decision for myself. And going to church every Sunday wasn't going to get me to heaven. I had to come to a point of decision. And so I didn't have any peace. I'm thankful that at the age of 17, I think it was six days after I graduated high school, in an old, smelly Texas camp, about one or two in the morning, I knelt down in an old metal bunk bed, and I gave my life to Christ. Hallelujah. And since that moment, I mean, life has had its difficulties, but since that moment, the, the peace that I was lacking has never left me. And this morning we come to, to talk about that because 
I think, innate in us as, you know, normal human beings, we all, we all have hope. We hope that something is going to change. We hope that this is going to get better. But the reality is sometimes life, for lack of a better word, it kicks the hope out of us, right? In fact, some of you this week, you may have heard some really bad things. Like, you may have lost your job. Some of you may have gotten the note from your spouse that there's going to be a divorce. Some of you may have heard the words, cancer. And life sometimes has a way of stealing our hope, doesn't it? The truth is, within the last 10 days, I've had those conversations with people. When I think about this idea of, of hope, I think about the day today that we celebrate the resurrection. But without Jesus, we are hopeless. And I want to I want you to look in Matthew chapter 27. And when we talk about joining the story, what we're really talking about is joining his story. You see, God's writing a story, and, and our stories are a collection of really his story. And God wants, he, he wants us to join his story, not just the story. He wants us to join his story. In fact, he created you for a relationship. Sin separates you from God, but God loves you so much and he desires you to join his story so much that he sent his son to die for you. And that's where we pick up the story as Jesus is on the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, this is... And the translation of what he said is simple. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we are entering into a hopeless situation. Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, The man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up the spirit. And hope died on a cross. You, you see, they say that you can go 40 days without food, and, and I've never done it, and I'm never going to try, but they say you can go 40 days without food, that you can go three days without water, that you can go eight minutes without breathing, but not one second without hope. And seemingly on the cross that day, hope had died. I mean, think of the disciples. They had given up their careers, they had given up their jobs, they had given up their homes, their families to follow this man, Jesus, because they believed that he was the Messiah. What they believed was going to happen was that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and he was going to restore nation to, the nation of Israel to its power. And, and, and as they watched from a distance, Jesus taking his last breath, their hope died on the cross that day. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she stands at the foot of the cross and she hears the last breath of her son. And hope 
seemingly died on the cross that day. Look in verse number 57. Because it seems like it gets worse. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself also had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded that the body be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. He laid it in a new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door in the tomb and departed. Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. And it seems strange because just a few days before this, as we celebrated last Sunday, what we celebrate as Palm went into the tomb. Jesus had just entered Jerusalem, and Jesus had just watched the people crowds celebrate Jesus. They said, Hosanna, behold the, the Lamb of God, behold the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And there's this great celebration, and the Jewish people thought, the Messiah is finally here, and he's going to over... They thought the same thing the disciples thought, that he's going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to restore the nation of Israel to its power. And here we are, just a few days removed. And hope died on the cross. Hope was placed in the tomb. The stone was rolled in front. It was sealed. You see later in the text that the guards were placed there. And I know it seems heavy. But the reality is this morning is I don't think we can fully appreciate the hope Christ brings until we realize how hopeless we are without Christ. And Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to find your way to 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it seems like Paul kind of goes back and forth between like declaring that God is alive and then saying, but what if God is not alive? And then we read the last part of the, the chapter, oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your victory? But in the middle of this, Paul poses this question. It's almost as if the question comes for where we've left this story. Jesus is in the tomb. The stone is rolled in front. The guards are standing there, and all hope seems lost. All hope seems gone. And Paul asks this question in verse number 17. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. It's pointless. It's of no value. It's worthless. What he's saying here is, Paul is saying, if Christ is still in that tomb, then to meet here together today is really pointless. That our faith really is just fiction. To claim the name of Jesus brings nothing to me if, key word here, Paul asked the question, if Christ is still in the grave, if there is no life after death, if we just die and that's it, well, he keeps talking about it. He says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. Life, it just ends. If Jesus didn't come back to life, if Jesus is still in the tomb, it's just worthless. It's pointless. We live our life, get the best we can out of it, and we die. 
Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And Paul is saying if Christ is in the tomb and we gather in the name of Jesus for hope, we're hopeless. If Christ is in the tomb, to claim the name of Jesus, Paul is saying is, we're of the most hopeless. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, so Paul poses the question, the statement, if, if Jesus is still in the tomb, then our faith is futile. Our hope is really no hope. We are hopeless. Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath day, at the first day of the week, began to dawn. Uh, begin to dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and he sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. It changes everything. You see, our hope hinges on this statement. It hinges on the resurrection. Because if Jesus is still in the tomb, then life is meaningless. We live, we die, and that's it. But what does the angel say? Why do you seek here? He, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but guess what? The angel says, he's not here. He is risen. And then the angel says, as he said, remember, he told you this was going to happen. He told you they were going to destroy the temple, speaking of himself, and that three days later, he would rebuild the temple. And then he says, Come. Come and see where they laid him. It changed everything. They went from hopeless situation to a hope-filled situation. Let's go back to what Paul was saying, right? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because Paul, he, he kind of gives us this, this question, if Christ is risen, your faith is futile. More we just read in Matthew chapter 28, the account, the story says Jesus is alive. He is risen. Look at verse number 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, but now Christ, what's the next word? It's a two-letter word. What is it? Is. Christ is risen. Can you say amen to that? So Paul says, if He's not risen. If he is still in the tomb, if he is dead, there is no hope. There's no life after death. There's no eternal presence of Christ. If that is true, we are hopeless. But he says now he is alive, which means that if he is alive, we do have what? Hope. And he goes on to say, uh, let's just read the whole verse, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits implying that there's going to be others. There's others are going to be come back to life. Guess who the others are? Followers of Jesus. I hope it's you. 
I hope if you've joined the story, because if you join the story, that's what it, it, it's referring to you, the first fruits. And then it goes on. For since by one man came death, speaking of Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead, speaking of Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made, what's the word? Alive. Eternity in the presence of Jesus. If Jesus is in the tomb, no hope. But Jesus is alive, so we have, what's the word? Hope. I wonder today, have you received the hope? Are you living in hope? Now look at verse number one. So in, in Paul, again, he kind of goes this back and forth if you read the entire chapter. If he's not alive, then we have no hope. But hey, guess what? He is alive, so we, we do have hope. But how do we get the hope? Verse number one, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you. So, so Paul's audience here is people who have believed in Jesus. That's why he calls them brethren. Moreover, brethren, hey, Followers of Jesus is another way he could have said that. I declared to you the gospel. I preached it to you. Well, let's define what gospel is. It, it simply means good news. So, so far, what we've read here in the first verse is Paul says, Hey, brothers in Christ, followers of Jesus, I told you about the good news. Okay? Everybody tracking with me? You got, got this? All right. He says, I preached to you. And here's a couple important things which also you received, in which you stand. So Paul is saying, I, I declare to you the good news. You received the good news, and you believed the good news. All right, so they, they were declared the good news, they received it, they believed it. Look, look at verse number two. It says, by which also you are saved. So let's just make sure we understand what Paul is saying. He's talking to followers of Jesus, and he says, I told you, I declared, I preached, whatever word you want to use, the good news. You received my message of the good news. You placed your faith in the message of the good news. And because you received it and you believed it, you were, what's the word? Saved. Well, what does it mean then to be saved? Because it seems like it should be important to understand that. Saved. Let me just give you four synonyms of the word saved. Restored. Redeemed. Pardoned. Forgiven. We sang about it. We are redeemed. We are purchased. We are bought back to God by the blood of Jesus. We are restored because, what did I say, that, that God, he's, he's writing a story and he's inviting us to be a part of his story. And in fact, the Bible says that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And then the Bible says the wages, the punishment of my sin is that I deserve death. Death means eternal separation from God. No hope. That's what I deserve because I'm a sinner. But... God, God showed up. Stephen read earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, but God who's rich in his mercy, 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And because Jesus is alive, he can give us eternal life. Because if he was still in the tomb, then he could not give us eternal life. And so we've been redeemed, we've been restored. The the fellowship that was broken with God because of our sins, our creator, God wanted you to join his story. And so God demonstrated his love toward you. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for you. God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to intersect your story, and he wants you to join his story. So, saved. Paul says, I told you the good news. You received it. You believed it. And because you received and believed it, you were saved by it. You know what would be really important for us to understand this morning? What's this good news he's talking about? It seems like a pretty big deal. If I can believe it and receive it and be saved by it, then I, I want to know what that good news is. Well, look at verse number three and four. Paul says, I delivered to you first of all that, which I also received. So here is the good news. If we believe it and we receive it, we will be saved. That Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news. It's great news, actually. It's such good news to know that, in other words, Paul is saying, if you believe the good news, if you receive the good news, you'll be saved by the good news. And, and the good news is simple. Jesus died for you. He was buried and placed in the tomb, but he proved that he had power over death, hell, and the grave, and he came back to life, and he, in fact, is alive this morning, and because he's alive, we can be saved. Can you say amen to that? So, this morning, the question seems pretty simple. Have you received and believed the good news? Because if you believe and if you receive, you can be redeemed, you can be restored, you can be forgiven, you can have eternal life, you can have a home in heaven, you'll spend eternity in the presence of Jesus, you'll have peace in your life, you'll go from being orphaned to adopted, from insecure to secure, to lost, to found, alien, stranger, if I haven't convinced you yet. So, have you received and believed the good news? Here's the great news this morning. You can do it right now. You can do it right now. You don't have to have all the questions. You don't have all the answers. You don't have to have been in church your whole life. You simply have to receive and believe. What are you receiving and believing? That Jesus died for your sins that he came back to life. And if you'll place your faith in Jesus, if you will receive and believe the good news, Paul says you will be saved. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. And so I ask you, would you receive and believe the good news?
right now in this moment. I'm going to ask you if you would like to receive and believe the good news. Right where you're seated, maybe you're online this morning, maybe you're going to watch this after it's been recorded. In the moment right now that you are listening to this, wherever you're at, would you believe and receive? I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And if you would like to receive and believe the good news and ask Jesus to come into your life, I'm going to ask you just to, to talk to God. You, you can repeat exactly what I say, but it, it's just you talking to God. You may say something like this. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he came back to life. And I confess, Jesus is Lord. I ask you in this moment to save me. If you prayed that prayer, you now belong to Jesus.